thank you for downloading this episode of Shelf Impactors podcast. This is another superb guest episode. I was unable to join the conversation, but Lita is leading the helm again and talking to a very special guest, Thomas Colster, aka Mr. Goodvertising. The exceptional and inspirational Thomas Colster is an author, an acclaimed TED speaker and change activator. Thomas joins us fresh from a panel debate on purpose and sustainability for brands. In this captivating conversation, Lisa and Thomas focus around the subject of brand purpose. They talk about his book, The Hero Trap, and also discuss the anti-ad world, the fast-moving evolution of world of advertising. And they round up on a conversation around optimistic futures, what eagerly awaits us in the world of brands. Now, apologies for the sound recording on this one. It's slightly echoey, but still clear enough to hear both Lisa and Thomas. So, Lisa, take it away. Hi everyone and welcome to a special edition of Shelf Impactors. I have a guest episode today because Mark is busy in another world. Um, we've got Thomas Colster, aka Mr. Goodvertising. Thomas, thanks for coming on. Thanks for being on the Shelf Impactors in a completely different time zone. To me in Sydney, you're in Copenhagen. Why don't you tell people what you're famous for, what you're known as, an ex-ad guy rather than me, but tell the people who don't know, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. And, and obviously, this is uh, for the listeners. I have been promised a guest appearance uh, by Lisa's kittens. So I'm uh, very excited to see if that's actually going to happen here today. But but anyways, my, my background is I started out in advertising as a copywriter and sort of like a decade into my career, I, I started feeling a bit frustrated with what I was doing, in fact. And my sort of light bulb moment was, and now we're on the back of COP, anyway, COP26 back then. It was COP15 we were hosting in Copenhagen. And we had all these um, elected government leaders in town, Barack Obama, Tony Blair, and all those guys. And obviously, we know that really nothing came out of it. And that's why I asked myself the question with the capabilities that I have as an ad guy, what can I in fact do? And so <laughs> that, that sort of kickstarted my journey. And so being a 30 something angry, angry ad guy that wanted to use my skill set for something bigger, um, I sort of ventured into this super interesting world of sustainability, impact, advertising, marketing, business, and whatnot. And so so today, primarily, I do three things. I do a lot of keynotes, workshops, uh, try to inspire people uh, why this change is necessary and how to build um, meaningful brands. Uh, secondly, we do a lot of sort of consulting and advisory stuff. And the last thing we do, which I'm very passionate about at the moment, is we work with impact startups. Uh, so many very, very different uh, businesses and passionate people trying to solve a lot of the world's uh, biggest challenges. So I guess that's kind of how I, who I am. <laughs> we'll dig into that a little bit more about impact startups further down the track. So let's just kind of look, I've got a little bit of an icebreaker question. I gave you three to pick from, um, but I'm going to say outside of advertising and work world, what's the biggest risk you've taken? So it can't be quitting advertising and, and it can't probably be constructing the house that you've just told me all about. <laughs> What's the biggest uh, risk you've taken and did it pay off? I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably it's love and it, it sounds really stupid, but <laughs> I, I think 
I think, and I think a lot of the people who work in advertising can recognize it, but, but sort of the, the work-life balance, the, the love work balance is a tough one. So, so, so probably, uh, I, I deal with that quite a bit and I fail, fail quite, quite a lot with that as well. I have a few industry mates who debate that quite a lot about why we're really great at solving other people's problems and crap at solving our own. Because all of the creative people are on Tinder. (laughs) Exactly. And I, you know, honestly, honestly, I think that it's just such a demanding industry in terms of deadlines and delivery and putting a heart into creating a 30 second ad and all that stuff. So it's not an easy profession. I, I, I actually remember some years ago, I wrote an article for the drum um, called Advertising Kills. And, and it was really this idea that got sparked by this employee of Dan Su that jumped out of the, the, the very tall building in, 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 in Tokyo. And, and that sort of provoked me to write about how, you know, it's a fun industry, but it's also a tough industry, right? <laughs> It's just an interesting one. So Mark and I talk about it quite a lot, about the fact that you love what you do and the the world where you have a work-life balance. Well, work fuses into your world. So your work is your world. And if someone who you're with doesn't get that or doesn't at least enjoy what they do, but then I also have this, I think to some level, you've got to enjoy what you do. <laughs> And then it just fuses into your life and creative people. It just does. That doesn't mean you're working, you know, 24 seven. It just means that it's always there in the background. You probably are the person who stands in, I don't know, or walking into the movie ticket, buying your tickets and you get an idea. It just, it just happens. It's part of who you are. So I think you're always on, even when you're not on. Yeah. And it, 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 it's that, that balancing act. I think every creative person out there, every entrepreneur for that sake can probably recognize that. Uh, so figuring out the perfect, uh, work-life balance, but I think I've gotten much, much better at it, to be honest, in the sense that I, I, I really do, uh, prioritize my life a lot more than I used to do. Awesome. Well, shall I do another icebreaker question? Because that was a bit serious and made us all a little bit sad because we feel a bit like, oh, surely there's a happy ending at the end of it somewhere. Let's get, let's get an uplifting one, yeah. Does that, live, does that run on to, if you could work on one famous or well-known brand, what would it be? Would it actually be a dating app? Or would it be something different? Can you create something around the theory of love around the world? I guess you kind of are by love of the planet, but... What would you want to work on? Yeah, you know what? I think I think I would work on uh, something for the United Nations because I really do think that that idea, that concept, is absolutely amazing. Because I think a lot of the stuff we're dealing with as humanity is, in fact. you know, borders, nation states, you know, cultural ignorance, biases, all that stuff. And I think through the pandemic, uh, the climate crisis, we're realizing that, you know, we're not inhabitants of Denmark or Australia or the UK. We're actually all inhabitants of this beautiful little blue planet. And I think the United Nations for me is at the moment, at least for the lack of any better political body, the the sort of presidency of the earth. And, and I remember I had a, a conversation with a creative colleague and we thought, wouldn't it just be right, nice if we had an earth president 
who is just like, wait a moment, you guys, you're closing your borders in Denmark. You're not sharing vaccines with people in Africa. You know, that's not, that's not cool. Yep, the key so, president of belonging and connection. <laughs> exactly. I would, so I, I would probably love to do a campaign for those guys. That's awesome. That's a great ambition. Work on that one. Keep plugging away. You never know. Um, All righty. Let's talk a little bit about where you're at at the moment. So you've just released, obviously you're an author, you're a writer, you've done good advertising. Tell us about The Hero Trap. That's your latest book. So, you know, and and also you hear as well, you want to plug your book, but you're anti-advertising. So... Exactly, exactly. I, you know, and, and it, it's it's such a weird thing. In fact, that you know, um, first of all, being a copywriter writing a book that's that's really not very crazy, is it? It's uh, <laughs> that's, that's just destiny. <laughs> exactly. It's it's you know, you're going to advertise and to become a copywriter because you didn't become an author, and so now I sort of done that other. I've done copyright and now I can do this sort of author type thing. Um, no, I mean, for me, the book writing is, um, might sound weird. It, it, it's sort of like a hate love relationship, uh, in the sense that even though I'm a copywriter, I'm an extremely extrovert person. And that's also why I do the keynote speeches and that stuff. But, but so I write books when I get frustrated enough about something. Uh, and I think what you do really well, and look, you and I met from a sustainability summit and your keynote as part of that is you simplify what most people complicate. And I think that's probably, that's definitely one of your key things that you simplify what is normally a very complicated narrative and doesn't need to be. And that's probably why you needed to write about it. And you've done a great job is to just go, I need to simplify all of this bullshit and bollocks and just make it so real people can understand it. <laughs> no, thank you. I, I, yeah, I, I think it just comes from the heart. And I think that's, that always helps quite a bit. The sense that with the first book, it was, as I said, really the frustrations on the back of the climate summit and how maybe brands could be part of that solution. Oh, we have a guest appearance right now of the first yeah. kitten of the beautiful little brownish, blackish with blue eyes, I guess. So sorry for all the listeners that you can't see it. Oh, it, it, oh, that's cute. There's, there's, yeah, we can't, we can't hear him, her though. But what, what's his surname? They don't even have names yet. So the other one's Ginger oh. and is called Simba, but they were just rescued last week. So someone dumped them again. Don't even know what's going on in the world. But so I've just fostered them for a while. <laughs> so so they- I think I see that's a good encouragement to the listeners because it's one of the key points in my book is actually to reach out to people and use their creativity. So anybody got a name for Lisa's kittens? There you Please go. do. <laughs> They're two female. One is ginger. One is tabby kind of color. Blue eyes. Go for it. Name the kittens. That's your challenge, peeps. <laughs> uh, yeah okay so so first first book um that was a kitten segue uh first book and then second book second book was in fact uh which goes back to the you know the the the, the toughness of work-life balance so each year i go away all by myself uh i, I find somewhere nice and i sit there maybe have a glass of wine or 10 and then reflect on my life and some of the stuff that I wanted to change the last year, some of the stuff I want to change going into the new year. And, and doing that exercise, I really sort of realized how difficult it was to create change in my own life, how difficult it was to live more sustainably. 
And that sort of provoked me to ask myself a question, which was sort of, you know, what leader, brand, organization have in fact created real positive change in my life with all these sort of purposeful companies out there that are claiming to do so much good in the world. So that's sort of how that book came about. And it's, it's really sort of a very, very simple premise because I wanted to unlock change. Uh, and I wanted obviously also to sort of understand the business case behind purpose. So, um, so I think it has a really strong behavior change element to it. So, so if you think about it, if, if, if for example, if people if people want to change something, let's say smokers, I mean, you can have people who are telling you to quit the cigarettes. Your children can tell you so. Uh, the doctor can tell you. Uh, uh, but by the end of the day, it's up to you and I to create that change. And so, in the book, what I really do is fundamentally change the sort of leadership sort of away from the brand and not putting the brand at the very center, but actually say, hey, wait a moment. Great leaders are not self-obsessing about themselves. They're not going out there and like, we're well, going to change the world. But, but they're really, for me at least, great leaders are the ones that enable us, that grow us. And so that's, uh, that's the sort of thing that I, that I wanted to do with this, this book and really saying, let's... Please, brands, don't pretend to be a hero, but turn each and every one of us uh, into the heroes. And, and we actually got a visit by uh, the kitten again. <laughs> yeah, guesting appearance, just like a big brainstorm across the street there. So let's unpack purpose. So purpose, like define it for us. Like I've got it down as, you know, it's, it's a reason for being that's not money. It's how they or how a brand or something adds value to our lives. So I think you're flipping the leadership is important. And it's something that for so long, I have a big issue with the difference between leadership and management, especially if you're working in big businesses that we're managers. No, you're not, you're leaders. And ultimately what you do is stand to represent the people who kind of are in theory below you, but actually in the future world there above you. And I think that's probably where we need to talk about brands and stuff. I absolutely agree. And I think it's, it's a beautiful way you put it. I, I think just that the, the issue about purpose is in fact that the way we've built brands haven't changed. It's almost still like we built these brands that are just almost too good to be true. I mean, if, if you sat most brands down at a therapist chair, I'm sure they would say something like delusional or megalomanic and, 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 and purpose hasn't helped. I mean, if you look at it, take often poke fun at Patagonia because everybody always talks so nicely about Patagonia. But if you truly listen to what they're saying, and I'm, you know, I'm a copywriter, so I take things literally, right? So they say we're in the business to save our home planet. That, that's, <laughs> that sounds like a pretty grandiose statement for somebody who does T-shirts, right? I mean, honestly. So, so that was my beef. And I, I, I obviously, with my first book, was a strong believer in purpose. And I still am. But it's just the way we frame purpose and the way that we look at purpose. And I think purpose needs to... Um, emanate from our lives and from asking one simple question, which is, in fact, who can you help people become? So it's, it's really putting Lisa and Thomas and all the listeners first and trying to understand their struggles, their ambitions, uh, uh, their dreams, their nightmares. And I think that's where there's a genuine relationship being created 
And with a lot of the leaders and brands and organizations that I interviewed in the book, there's also sort of like a, a strange interdependence that I thought was uh, quite beautiful. And I think from this last, even just the last few years, you obviously saw that opportunity a long time ago when you create advertising in purpose and in sustainability. They're now the buzzwords. Every meeting you walk into, every you know office, business, brand that you talk to are talking about sustainability, about their purpose and their need to change the world. But then they'll unleash these goals that are, by 2030, we'll do this. You know, 2030, yeah. like that is a long <laughs> way away. <laughs> a lot can happen like I mean, the last two years have been pretty much on pause, but that's a long way away. So I talk a lot about bravery and about resilience. And I think what we need to do, definitely people like yourself, um, and definitely something that I kind of push myself towards is, yeah, you talk about these goals by 2030, the bravery thing, brave is another word that suddenly got a hold that, you know, everyone's wanting to be brave and bold, but without understanding quite what that means anymore is how do you, how do you change that narrative from being 2030? What about, what about in a year's time? What are you doing? How do you break that down? And it's all the big companies that we're seeing. It's the Unilevers, it's the PNGs, it's all of those ones that say, by 2030, we'll be here. But as consumers, or I definitely, I know you do because I've seen your keynotes, but as consumers, you go, all right, but what now? What are we doing now? Because we're not going to do anything now if you guys are waiting until 2030. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I agree. And it's, it's so not empowering. It's like, screw Julie St. Thomas and not everybody out there. You know, you're just going to be stuck with our products. We are Unilever, you know, stuck with us until 2030. I always do this analogy that, you know, if I caught my girlfriend being unfaithful, we actually broke up anyway. So, but let's just play that we're together still. But I catch her being unfaithful and she tells me, you know what, Thomas? Um, I'm going to be a little bit less unfaithful until 2030 and then we fully bang on together. I wouldn't put up with that. And so, so I think that narrative is just plain wrong. And whatever we want to change in our own lives, I mean, if I put a pledge forward saying, you know, I, I don't want to be an alcoholic in 2030. I mean, it, you know, I probably killed myself by drinking before 2030. And I think, I think it, it's just another proof that brands really don't understand that this decade is our decade. You know, I'm in charge. You know, all of us are in charge. If I want to, and I see this, that's what a lot of impact businesses, right? Because I meet all these, all these, um, all these passionate people are like screw business as usual. I can do something that's better. So tell and, us, tell us a little bit more. Explain to us what an impact business is, um, and what kind of um, verticals they're working across. Yeah. So basically, an impact business. I mean, there's probably a lot of other definitions. I I, I probably kind of look at it from a sustainable development goal perspective in the sense that whatever. Oh, that's the ginger one. Uh, we're talking about the kittens here again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but no, I, I look at it, what what business does create positive change across the, for example, the sustainable development goals uh, uh, and it creates a positive impact while obviously uh, being a uh, sustainably run business. And uh, so that can be people who do amazing things, uh, uh, trying to you know improve the, the 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 health of our oceans. I mean, we we work right now with a with a Finnish startup that 
um, cleans oceans of algae uh, and, and creates ingredients for cosmetics, foods, etc. So there's so much innovation going into the space right now. And, and that's also why I sometimes feel that a lot of the purpose talk from especially the big multinationals out there is just plain nonsense. I mean, if you take Ben and Jerry's, and it's been one of the purpose pioneers for years, obviously. Again, we you know we want to make the best possible ice cream in the nicest possible way. I'm just like sorry, Ben and Jerry's. A lot have happened uh, since yeah. you were around. A yeah. lot have happened. You're not even close to being the best possible ice cream, and you're very far from being the nicest possible ice cream. And 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 and, and it's exactly the hero trap I talk about in the book. It's why why put yourself up on that pedestal? Yeah. Why don't just be a little bit more humble and empowering and saying, yeah, we 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 as an ice cream maker, we can be a facilitator of change. Uh, you know, go out, do some amazing stuff around um, challenging biases about standing up for climate change, whatever it might be. And I think that's why creative people get super excited about working with, we work with a few ourselves, startups, those innovators, those people that are hungry, but they can also make decisions. So when you've got the bigger companies, you don't get involved with the people who can actually make decisions that, are, again, they're brave enough to go, let's just do it and try it and see. And they're not too proud or too precious about what the outcome might be. They're just willing to have a go and the ego hasn't taken over. So I think the speed at the moment and agility, it's almost like the advertising world is kind of, even that's almost gone to the wayside at the moment where we build brands, but proper brands, you know, ones that stand for something and that just keep moving with the times because we're consistently moving. And that's for any creative person who, again, who loves work as much as they love their life. It's exciting. Like I know this pandemic has been a terrible time for so many people, but it's accelerated change on such an exciting level. I think you're absolutely right. I think obviously, you know, um, entrepreneurs sort of have this, and I think entrepreneurs is always such a BS word, by the way. I mean, because before we all talked about entrepreneurs, you know, when, when you when you when you're starting an agency, you're an entrepreneur, right? I mean, uh, you know, when you when you start a coffee business, you're an entrepreneur. It's just we 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 sort of glorifying it, but 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 by the end of the day, it demands bravery, right? And and I think for me at least, great creatives are extremely brave because if you're not, you're never going to be anything good in this industry uh, because you need to believe in your ideas, even though they might sound incredibly crazy. And, and, and so I think bravery is key because else you might as well just go work in a bank. I mean, honestly. Yep. And I think that's a great point to anyone listening to that. So normally they're creative people that tend to tune in. So be brave, be bold and fail lots. <laughs> And risk, risk your job. I, I got fired from uh, both agency jobs I had uh, when I was starting in the business. Um, and, and I take that as, uh, <laughs> as an accolade in a way, you know. It, it, takes, like, you, it yeah. takes you a few years to admit it. At the time, it kind of sucks a little bit that you kind of either you get, you know, made redundant or like you say, or you get sacked. But, you know, it, it leads to a better place. You wouldn't be doing what you were doing now if you'd not had those moments to kind of regroup, rebuild and go, all right, what's the point? 
the best the best times career wise in my life have always been those uh, pauses, those sort of moments to reflect. Some of them planned, some of them not. But but it really forces you to put your energy where your heart is at. And and it, it it sounds like such a simple exercise, but but I think it's so incredibly difficult. And even for me, looking back at my career, and even though I started as an angry 30, 30 year old, and, and some people only find their purpose or their passion, you know, when they're when they're fifty, uh, you know, who knows? Some some might not even ever find it really. Uh, so I obviously feel quite passionate about it, but it really took me some time before I really unlocked and started appreciating that journey because there was also a lot of uh, stress and anxiety in terms of do I really live up to my own sort of goals and my own sort of purpose that I put out there? Uh, you know, uh, how do you know how do people respond to it? All the all those all those things are you know. Um, things that I think all of us go through at some point in life when we when we work with purpose or we want, when we want to create something new and exciting. So what is your big brave goal? What's next? Or what are you working on at the moment that you're allowed to talk to us about? Oh, you know what? I'm it's 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 so interesting. Everybody's always what's next. I'm like <laughs> right. what, what are you in the middle of now? Going right now. It's always like I had I had I had that question in another podcast recently. I was just like, you know what? I just wrote a book. It took me three years, and you're already asking me what's next. No, no, I'm actually working on something something new as well. No, I think I think that um, I've, um, I, I feel that the, the, the movement is sort of um, disappointing me a little bit at the moment, uh, to be honest, the whole movement about purpose and sustainability. So um, I, I really want to see how I can sort of disrupt that and obviously take that conversation maybe to a higher level and, and, and maybe gather gather some folks who are interested in, in disrupting that conversation. Uh, so I'm working on that. And then I'm at the work moment working on a, a um, sort of impact platform um, because, as I said, it's um, – uh, it's incredibly important uh, in the sense that uh, a lot of impact entrepreneurs uh, are not always the best business people. Uh, they're all, not always the most brand aware. Uh, you know, they, they do something because they truly believe in it uh, and they sometimes forget uh, to ask themselves that question put out there who can in fact help people become, they forget that other person out there. And so, so for me, there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, also because I believe that, um, hopefully, um, you know, some of the, some of the new exciting unicorns will come out of, uh, impact businesses and, and not, uh, business as usual. And I think the exciting thing about working with those businesses is that, yes, they have great ideas and they're super excited by what they bring into the world, but they need people like us to communicate those ideas. I love branding. I hate marketing. That's my thing. Like I love branding. I hate marketing in the same way you probably hate advertising, but I realize there's a certain element of it that you need 
to push forward the brand. So it's this horrible yeah. kind of fight in my head about, but I hate marketing, but I need marketing because you need a certain degree of it to, to get the word out there. And so I think it's kind of, you know, the, the challenger brands are startups. They don't have the resources of the big incumbents. So we're the people and they're more likely to work with individuals because you get to work with real people. It's one of the things that just lately, our agency is quite big, but we're doing quite a lot in terms of the digital sustainability space. So we could yeah. go in to help people. And, and there's that fight of why would someone work with us? And you go, well, because we're, pa- well, not, not all of them in the business, but we're passionate about what we do. We don't have all of the answers, but we're better at communicating something they know the brand the best. We know how to communicate it the best. How do you work together? But it ultimately lies in people. Do I want to work with you? All right, let's figure it out together. I, I absolutely agree. And I think I think your views on, on brand versus marketing and advertising, uh, I, I, I can definitely... Uh, I can definitely say from my point of view as well that what I'm excited about is, is, you know, that's brands as well. I mean, also because it is essentially what we end up buying. I mean, the product and service is ultimately in the background. And so for me, working with kind of shaping that is extremely exciting. What I'm not passionate about is the short-termism of sales tactics and um, quick campaigns and that stuff that just doesn't excite me as much anymore. um, and and I think also to be to be honest, I think that where the industry is failing is in fact that it hasn't been able to stand up and defend the value of brands because when you can have big consultancies like Accenture and McKinsey and others like that being valued uh, 20 times the global advertising industry or whatever those exact numbers are, it shows that there is a misconception of the true value of companies and the true value of companies lie at, you know, that's, that's the brand. That's what's valuable. So I, you know, our industry just, just hasn't been able to, which is interesting for an industry that lives of selling and building brands, but we haven't been good enough at formulating why we are so goddamn important uh, to everyone out there from the small businesses, the entrepreneurs, to big global multinationals like uh, Procter & Gamble. Yeah, and we're not very good at breaking down the bullshit either. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, that's true. That's true. We, but, but I think that's within any industry. I mean, always like, you know, I, I came from, you know, advertising and now, you know, I have a foot in both sides, sustainability and advertising. Same thing is happening in sustainability. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. you know, then that positive is not good enough. Now we not need to talk about regeneration. Yeah. Then two, two years from now, there's probably some new sort of things that you need to, um, you know, relate to. But, and, and I'm guilty as well. I mean, I, I didn't feel that purpose was, you know, sort of encompassing what I wanted to say. So I said, okay, let's talk about, you know, transformative brands. Let's talk about transformative promise. So I'm guilty as charged as well. Maybe it's just, you know, this, 
um, beauty, I can say that as a copyright of, of, of using words, of course, and what words in fact can do. So maybe it's not too bad. I don't know. <laughs> I think the power of know. words is super important though. And that's often people cover up with the words um, or yeah, just the overcomplication. I mean, greenwashing and stuff like that. It's also about being human and honest and going, look, I don't always have all the right answers or I don't have all the answers yet, but I'm working on it and being that ever evolving model that people are not very good at. Um, our industry is terrible. Even at, our industry is terrible at two things. One, at saying someone else has done something well, but also is terrible at saying, I don't really know the answer, but I'll figure mm. it out. Yeah. And I, I think that's a key, that's a key thing right now. And especially in the impact space. And, and especially when I just had the conversation the other day, because usually I judge quite a few uh, impact awards over the year for DNAD and, and uh, London International Awards, CAN, etc. And it's something that is so important when you're judging work, impact work, because it takes a lot of stamina and belief to say when you watch a campaign for you know gear towards the LBTQ community and you're like do I really know whether this initiative how the community is going to connect with that uh, do I really know if um a woman in the in 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 the in the slums of Mumbai will feel that this is a a, a valuable thing, and and so I I tend to I tend to really love that some of these awards are becoming more diverse in the people that they um, that judges. But also sometimes, and I do this sometimes, if I'm in doubt, I, I reach out to, um, I mean, some of my friends from that specific community. I, I think I'm, I'm lucky to have a, a nice global community that I can lean on. And, and I think I think you're absolutely right that sometimes we're just going to say, I don't have the answer, yeah. but maybe somebody in my network knows if this is actually a great initiative. And that's why I think creative people generally do better at expanding our network Works, connecting with people you never thought you'd connect with travel I know we talk about travel being bad for the environment and stuff I know you've traveled an awful lot I've traveled a fair bit and sometimes putting yourself into the places that you might one day or currently be designing for be creating for be thinking about is so valuable never make assumptions and, and that's something that brands do that people do that businesses do is make assumptions and actually think you need yeah. to pick yourself up and put yourself into that moment or reach out to people if you've got them in your network and creative people generally are either super, I think when we're younger, we're probably a bit more insular, but then as you get a bit older, you kind of go, no, actually it's about who can I connect with? Who can I talk to that I can learn from? And it's more about how much can I learn? You're like a sponge in the creative world. Um, and I think that's where our value is. I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I, I remember how insular I was when I started working in industry and you grew up and you're like, ah, look at this. I got the best idea in the world. I don't want to share it with anybody at the office because it's so cool. Somebody might steal it. This is my sort of can goal line, you know, keep your hands off. Right. And I think it's probably one of my biggest mistakes as a creator. Uh, I really, you know, 
think that the more you share yeah. your ideas and the more feedback you get, the better they become. And that goes for creative ideas, that goes for entrepreneurial ideas. So rather than sort of being like uh, Gollum from Lord of the Rings and sitting there and, and saying, she's off my precious, you know. I think that's, of, but, that's just what the ad industry does to you. I was in the advertising. I went straight into advertising for a couple of years first, and it just teaches you to be like that because you want to succeed and it's such a fickle industry. And then I think you just then realize that actually everything you do is gone in a heartbeat and someone else will take yeah. your idea and make it come to life and, you know, aesthetically make it look the way you had in your head. And so personally, I missed from the design world, actually at least being able to craft it and have something that might live on beyond it just being in a magazine advert or something or a newspaper advert. And so unless you do the next smash mash or something, it's probably not going to have a place in people's hearts. And if you're a creator, you want to have something that makes people belong, connect, fit in, which hopefully is our job and what we can do with actually brands businesses now to kind of find the link between them and the real world if there is one um, and, and kind of connect the dots a little bit. Yeah. I, the, the, um, the, the way that creative talent for the most part is run at, run at agencies, sort of that recognition of, you know, individual accomplishment, I think is just plain wrong. I mean, if you had a, if you had a soccer team and every player on that team was trying to score the goals, uh, him or herself, I mean, that would just not be a, a very successful team. Uh, you, can call so, it, you can call it football on here. So as a Brit in the room, if you, if you call Good. it soccer, I'm going to get just killed for using the word soccer. <laughs> okay, we can, we can, we can, we can, we can refer to it as football. <laughs> Perfect, 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 and 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 just again, uh, just just a heads up to the listeners because I'm Danish, so I'm I'm butchering English on a daily basis, and I'm obviously not proud of that, but I'm just giving a heads up that that sometimes you're doing a very wow. good job on this podcast. Language, you're doing very well. <laughs> I mean, it's it's uh, no, that's good, that's good, that's good. Uh, my my English is probably better than your Danish, you know. So definitely. <laughs> come, come, coming, coming from a country with 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 one of the smallest uh, languages in the world, you know. But um, yeah, that's the next podcast where you teach me Danish. <laughs> that's the next yeah, episode. De- de- definitely a, 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 a classic thing as well called the flow, but we're not going to go into that right now. <laughs> oh, <goodness>. Exactly. <laughs> translation already. Exactly. All right. Well, look, I've taken up loads of your time already. We've been chatting for forty five minutes. So tell people where to find you, tell people where to get you. I've really enjoyed our chat today and hopefully we can regroup in the future, maybe in a a little while's time when you've done some of that impact work and we can kind of talk about what you're up to in the next six months or so. Not going to talk about the next because we're still talking about the now. Let's not talk about 2030. Let's talk about what's happening right now. What's next? What's next? No, it's pretty, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty easy. Basically, you know, Google, Google my name, Thomas Colster, K-O-L-S-T-E-R. And then there's probably some exciting stuff popping up and, and, and probably what's happening right now will pop up, hopefully. Yeah, you've got um, a few babies with fingers in the air keynote type presentation. <laughs> 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 I, you know, I always try and find that nice balance between uh, being 
provocative and sort of inspire people at the same time. I think it's 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 a challenge, but I think I think it's needed in the sense that um, you know if you. If you want to change behaviors and mindsets, you sometimes need to give the system a bit of a shock. And uh, and uh, and and in some, I gotta say that in some markets that goes better <laughs> than in other markets. Tell me where it's not gone well. Tell me what markets you've presented in when it's been very much that tumbleweed moment and really quiet. Where have you where have you won and where have you died? <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really not into sort of self-censorship. And because I, know, I, just, I have seen your keynotes. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 goes, it goes against the way that I was raised and, you know, democratic principles, et cetera. But, but I was at an event some years ago and it was sort of like a sustainability award um, type thing. And I meet this head of the... Greek Orthodox Church, I think it was. And he was such a, he's not a preach, he's an archbishop or something like that, you know, uh, and, and such a kind man. And we have a, we have a very long conversation around compassion. Um, I learned a lot. And, and so now I have to do my keynote. And this kind man is sitting on the front row, looking at me with a big smile. And my opening slide is uh, Jesus stuck on the cross taking a selfie. And <laughs> you can't remove it. You've just got to own that moment. <laughs> no, I didn't. I just couldn't do it. Did you I, run? I really I, no, I, I just couldn't do it. I, I flicked, flicked past the slide and started on another opening slide because oh, I that, that, yeah. that, 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 that kind guy, I was just like, what if he takes offense at something that is definitely not meant to offense him, his religion, or anybody else who believes in the story and narrative of a guy called Jesus? I, you know, that's not me to judge, you know? Oh, so that was... <laughs> yeah, that that could have been embarrassing. I, I don't know how he would have responded. He might he might have taken it quite well. I don't know. That's a great moment. And when have been the most successful? Where have you loved playing to? Or when have you had really well? Uh, I I gotta say that that uh, you know after the pandemic, it's crazy i really just enjoy each and every keynote i'm doing and i think maybe it's just because i was worn out a little bit by all the sort of keynoting over the years and now with a sort of break i really do enjoy it so i think probably some of my best moments have been these four five six last keynotes in front of an audience I can just feel that I'm excited that I'm, I'm, yeah. So probably that's my, my, my best moments. And, and besides that, I think starting out with doing keynotes as a Dane when you're 30 and you're not fluent in English and you have all these very, you know, extremely, you know, well articulated British and American speakers. And then I'm up. So in the beginning, it was really a mix of anxiety. <laughs> 
and, and, and wanting to share a message. The, the first couple of years was tough. I, I felt it was, it, it was tough to be on that stage. It was tough to embrace it. And but there's been an extremely fun learning curve in that as well. I think you should always keep doing things that scare you. If I listen to the very first podcast we ever did, I've never listened to it. I've never listened to it back. It's terrible. I used to be so shy. So I was like you. I was like, I can never speak in front of people. And now we do this kind of thing all the time. So I think you need to feel the fear. Um, and I'm sure you'll feel a fear in a different way at some point in the future when everyone's talking about sustainability and you stand on a stage and go, 2030? No chance. <laughs> I, you know, I think you're right. I think we, we it's the bravery thing, isn't it? We go yeah. back to bravery. It's a full circle right now. It is, it's it's got to be it's the this, bravery. It's a vulnerability thing as well. So I think what comes across as being brave, it's actually inside. Creative people actually are quite sensitive. We're just quite good at masking it and pulling that face on it and doing it. If it's for a better cause, we can do it. I always tell people I can sell great creative work better than I can sell myself because it's you've got a purpose, you've got a reason and you're adding value. Again, we're all going back to a purpose to someone else's life. So if you think before you go on, I can stand on that stage and actually someone in here might be inspired by what I'm about to say and it might cut through every other presentation they've seen that's just lots of slides of planets swirling around and facts and figures about how much plastic is in the ocean. If you can twist that narrative and do them and give them something different that's it. it's worth it no I, I agree but it's almost like i think at least when i when i think back at a, at a 30 year old thomas and being on stage for the first couple of times i i think i had this sort of imposter syndrome that i felt what am i doing on this stage next to people like martin shirell or or David Droger and some of the legends that, you know, in our industry. And here I am talking about my point of view. Do you still but feel that a little bit now, though? Do you still feel that even now sometimes? Do you still get a little bit like, what am I doing stood here? And then it just clicks and then it works. Um, I definitely can still get a bit of that sort of initial anxiety. And I think it's it's something that's important for the performance. Uh, I... I don't feel I have that sort of same doubt in my message anymore in the sense that I I think that's the key thing, right? I mean, at some point, both about conviction and about creativity, I think at some point, you know what it is that you're doing. And, 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 and then you, in fact, become a better speaker, you become a better creator. And I think a lot of it is, and, and you, 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 you'll see, you have seen that in my keynotes. I think one of the key things I learned was to bring my own personality and my own life on stage. And I think the same thing, it's probably not true for every creator, but I think in, in some aspects, there are certain creatives out there where I can just immediately recognize their work. Yep. I just know who did it. I, 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 I know, I know, I know the pen, I know the writing or I know the art direction or I know sort of the kind of idea yep. so I can pick that up. And, and I think it's good. I think it's at least for me, it, it, it made me a, a much, much better presenter. And, and sometimes, I, you know, I bring a lot of vulnerability on stage sometimes. When, yeah. when the, the girlfriend and I broke up recently, I brought that on stage. 
and yeah. I use the crowd as sort of my my little therapy session, right? I even I think yesterday in in, in Zurich I said because the guy asked me, so what are the, some of the pledges that you want to do? I was like, maybe you know what? Maybe I should get back together with her, you know. And having that you know, thing being said on a stage in front of six hundred people, it's just fun, you know. You know, you just gotta just gonna embrace it. Good work. Well, thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been fun. See, there you go. They're still here. We've, we've told people where to contact you, so I will stop recording in a minute. Thanks for coming on. I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting. Get in touch. Thomas Colster, The Hero Trap is the book that's out. And if get on the website as well if, if you want to get book, bookings and things like that. You're quite hard, I'm sure, to get hold of, to actually get to go and talk in keynote speeches and things. Um, but get in touch. I will drop all of your things into the show notes as well for the listeners. Thanks, Thomas. Thank you so much, Lisa. Thanks for tuning in, all you guys and girls out there.